This call is being recorded. What's up, guys? We are back. School of Science Radio. I'm Gino Ganello. Um, back here for the first time in a long time here for as we gear up for the next season coming up for Everton. I'm joined, as always, by Chris and Adam. How are you guys doing today? Oh, you know, I was better before the Idrissa Gay PSG rumors started uh, cropping back up, but we'll talk about that. Don't worry. We will. I mean, to say that they started propping back up is probably an understatement. They, it feels like they kind of went zero to 60 pretty fast, and now all of our lives are ruined forever, which is, you know, sad. But other than that, I'm fine. Thanks well, for asking. I was, I was sad enough about Ghana, and then they just dumped Lookman on top of it. He was two of my favorite sons. Yeah, well, you know, we still have Mason Holgate. And there we go. Took us, what, 90 seconds for me to shit on Mason Holgate? We are back, baby. Here we go. I even built a section into the outline for you to do just that later. Yeah, but no, see, too too long to have to wait. I need to stick to my personal brand, which is shitting uh, on Mason Holgate. You're like the kid who goes into the closet to find his Christmas presents by Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I was ready. I was ready. Very proud of you. That was uh, actually a very That's good record. Not your That's record training. time for me. You're ready for the regular season. Yeah. Three seasons in. Um, as we are ready, I think, I don't know. Actually, I don't know if we're ready for the regular season. We'll go over that as we get on, uh, get on today with the episode. But to start, let's talk about what, was, what happened today. Day of recording, uh, Thursday, July 25th. The new stadium. We've gotten some updates. We've gotten official pictures, official videos. Guys, Adam, we'll start with you. What do you think? Uh, it looks like a stadium, which is good. <laughs> um, it doesn't look, you know, I I, I have kind of uh, honestly from the start of the stadium talk said that for me, it's uh, it's interesting. It's It's not a huge, like, glowing interest of mine. You know, all the renderings looked really good. Um, it looks like the that there has definitely been, you know, care taken to be able to maintain an atmosphere at, at the arena and to integrate it with the community, which is all um, very good and all stuff that is, is stuff that, that we wanted to see. You know, I, I give way in, in terms of uh, what we do on the blog to, to some of our, our English colleagues uh, for for some of the impact that it has for them being a little bit closer to it, uh, obviously, but for me, um, so far, Hey, it, it's a new stadium. Yay. Uh, I'm, I'm a little bit similar. I think I enjoy looking at the images probably a bit more than I, you do, but the thing for me is ultimately this I'm in no, as an American fan of Everton, I'm in no real position to, uh, critique either positively or negatively. Um, I've never been to Goodison Park, and if that disqualifies me as a supporter, well, then so be it. Um, but also kiss my ass. And I, you know, I hope to get there before it uh, closes up shop. But the reality is that I will likely never get to Bramley Moor either. So it just doesn't affect me all that much. As much as I do appreciate an aesthetically pleasing stadium, I, I find it hard to get worked up a lot one way or the other. While I do acknowledge, you know, it's exciting for the players, it's exciting for the local fans, and um, to some extent, I imagine that it will bring in additional revenue and these kinds of things uh, just because of the increased capacity. It looks nice. Um, I enjoy going to nice stadiums here in the States, but, um, you know, it's not really my corner, I guess, is the, the long and the short of it. Yeah, I mean, obviously for us, it's it's obviously... It means a little less because we won't be able to travel or, or the, the likelihood of us traveling to the stadium is less than those, obviously, who live in Liverpool or live in, in, in Europe or in England. Um, but in, in the end, you know, you look at the pictures, they look fantastic. It looks like a great stadium, looks like something that I would want to travel to. Obviously, you want to travel to Goodison for the history of it. Um, and then you want to travel to this Brandley Moore Stadium uh, for the... Uh, you know, just really for the looks. And, and it really looks like they did a good job with it. Um, I, I also enjoyed some of the pictures of the Goodison Legacy Project uh, that came out. I think that that's a great way to, uh, uh, you know, incorporate Goodison's history into the community. 
Uh, yeah, the pictures of the redeveloped Goodison area was a lot more interesting to me, to be honest. Um, it, yeah, it looked like yeah. they were going to do some really cool stuff with that. Yeah, especially uh, I don't know if you guys saw this, but the um, the you know how the pitch, the the center circle of the pitch is going to be uh, you know as much intact as possible, so that you know there was a quote online, um, you know, so that it, it was they wanted to keep it intact so that people could bring their kids there or the grandkids there and have them play on Goodison, um, you know, even though it's not standing anymore. And I thought that was a pretty cool way to, you know, incorporate Goodison into the community and whatnot. And I think that, you know, along with the Bramley Moore Dock Stadium, I, I think that's a big part of what Everton's trying to do is make sure that, um, you know, kind of a community thing as well. Yeah, de- definitely. I th- I think that on a broader scale, everything that everything does in the community is more impactful than opening up a new stadium. So, yeah. So you know, good stuff there. Obviously, a good start. Um, and you know, we'll see how things p- play out. Obviously, uh, you know, stay tuned to the uh, RBM site. You know, obviously, anytime anytime anything comes out, uh, it'll be on there, and you'll be able to read up more on it there as well. Um, you know, for the stuff that just recently came out today as well as uh, stuff in the future. So stay tuned with that. But let's get to the bulk of what we're really talking about today, uh, the transfer window. Now, we've been away for a majority of the transfer window, but we're back now here with just under two weeks to go. Actually, two weeks from today is when the transfer window ends. Am I correct? I believe that it closes on August the 8th. Um, Which I believe is... That would be two weeks from today. Yeah, that's how math works. (laughs) Yeah, oh, gosh, that's it's it's a lot closer though when you say it uh, Gino's way. August eighth sounds like it's you know we still have plenty of time. Two weeks sounds like uh, shit. We better do some stuff. Uh, yeah, and as we're gonna get to, a lot of stuff still needs doing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let's just let's just real quick re- recap what has been done so far um, in terms of deals that people we've brought in. Uh, we signed Gomesh on a permanent for uh, 25 million euros uh, till 2024. Brought in Fabian Delph, Delph, sorry, um, on nine and a half million euros for till 2022. And then I believe Jonas Lossel is how it's pronounced on a free. We, we may never find out because uh, he may never play. But yes, yeah. he may never play. That's very true. But we did bring him in. Until uh, 2022, and then taking a look now, which this includes some uh, some some unfortunate ones as we were talking about earlier. Starting with the big one, which has not been officially confirmed yet, but seems like it's moving, moving, moving more and more towards it. Um, Gay rumored to be leaving for 30 to 35 million euros to PSG. Lookman confirmed today for 18 million euros with add-ons um, to RB Leipzig. Zuma, obviously, as we all know, was on loan here. So wasn't exactly our player, but still a very big loss for us. Um, and then Vlasic left on 15.7 million euros. And then a bunch of frees in Jagielka, Galloway, Dowell is on loan, Kenny's on loan, and, of course, the forgotten man, Sandro, on loan again. You can uh, call him the forgotten man. I can't forget. I would like to forget him, but he, <laughs> he's making too much money for me to forget him is the that, thing. That is very fair. <laughs> that is very fair. But, you know, uh, just looking back at, at, at a lot of this here, let's just do a quick recap of it. Take a look. Uh, what do you guys think of the business in and out so far? Chris, you uh, take the lead on this one. Um. So the business in, I actually – if if we evaluate it in terms of the specific players for the specific money and contracts, I like a great deal. Um, there still is a lot that needs doing, but I'll leave that for a little bit later. Andre Gomez was a must um, in terms of how he gelled in the Everton t- setup last year. And he, he really flourished under Silva and out of the bright lights in Barcelona. And I think it's clear that he's immensely talented and in the, the right age bracket for what Marcel Brandt is trying to do. Um, Fabian Delph not in the correct age bracket, but I'm still actually okay with it. Um, you're talking about somebody who can play multiple positions. He's an excellent passer. 
He's got a lot of experience, which is a little bit ambiguous, I realize. But, you know, we look at recent history and there's been a lot of success with late peak English midfielders moving on to, from Manchester City to smaller clubs. Um, James Milner has been excellent for Liverpool. Um, Gareth Barry was excellent for Everton. And I can kind of see the same type of thing going down here. Um, Eunice Lossel, yeah, whatever, fine. It, it let uh, Jail Virginia get a loan. Uh, so probably worth it, I guess. Adam? Yeah, and then, I mean, the, the business in is, um, you know, I, I echo Chris's sentiments on all that. And I, I think really uh, what it what it comes down to uh, really, the, what the next two weeks come down to is, you know, does does the the rumored deal for Adrissa Gay go through? Um, and if it does, what is the follow up from that? Because I, you know, I, I, it sounds hyperbolic, but I, I really don't think it is. I think the entire style of play that Marco Silva implemented in the second half of last season, the entire fit of Andre Gomes in the center of midfield at Everton, um, the player that Everton wants to target at striker, presumably. Uh, it, it really all depends on having Adrissa Gay in the lineup. Um, and if there's no Gay, uh, I don't, uh, you know, the, the fit with Gomes becomes, uh, you know, you need a, a, the right kind of midfielder to, to play alongside him. And you probably have to change the style of play that you're going to go out there with because you just you need to have an an elite ball winner it with the rest of the talent that's on this team if you're going to play a high press you've got to have an elite ball winner in the midfield and there just aren't that many Idrissa Gays in the universe and it's hard for me to to envision uh Everton being able to sell him and bring in a player who fills a similar role and be successful in that style of play next season. And it kind of ties into the Fabian Delft thing, where if Everton were planning on losing Gay and they bought Delft to replace him, that was a mistake. They're not similar whatsoever. And Delph is a value add in the sense that, um, you know, he can back up Lucas Digne probably better than Leighton Baines can, and he allows Tom Davis to play less. If the Delph acquisition is to slot him next to Andre Gomez and you have two progressive passers just sitting next to each other and both of them need the ball, that's going to be kind of a disaster. Yeah, and I think that that kind of uh, – it, it rolls us into the consideration about um, what this team still needs as well because I think obviously if, if Adrissa goes out, um, which I think we're taking is certainly much more likely than not at this point. Um, you, you need you need another central uh, central midfielder uh, of some sort because you don't I don't think you bring in uh, Fabian Delph if you think that you know Tom Davis and James McCarthy and Morgan Schneiderlin combined to a reasonable backup core in in the center of midfield and. I just don't even, I know there have been some names that have been thrown around, but I just can't emphasize enough how vital Idrissa's play is to the way that Marco Silva had success having Everton play last season. And if you don't have that, I think, I think, and and I'm curious what you guys think as well. I, I think you've got to change your play style if you don't, if you don't have him. Yeah, I think well, you, have you, have to. To, you have to. You have to change your play style, or if you stay with that play style, losing Gay is probably the difference between finishing in seventh and qualifying for Europe and finishing in like tenth or eleventh, um, because he's so so central to so much that Everton does in terms of not only winning the ball back, but you know that. In, I know it's easy to call Gay a defensive midfielder. But the reality is that Everton can't attack unless they have the ball, and nobody's better at getting the ball than than Gay. And really, and we probably talked about this before on this show many months ago, but you look at the players capable of producing what Gay does in terms of the volume of tackles and interceptions and covering ground, and it's like um, N'Golo Kante and, uh, well... You know, that's about it. Not, yeah, there's not that many of these players. So replacing him is is 
it's not like you can just go out and get the next 22 year old who's doing the same thing. Yeah. And, and I think that the, the kind of the next step from that, because as you said, you can obviously attack without the ball, but even more than that, um, it's not only that Ghana is a ball winner, it's that the team was utilizing him in a role um, where he's higher up the pitch. So he's winning the ball, you know, at the center of midfield instead of 30 yards from his own goal. And the, the upshot of that is that, okay, well now when you've got the ball, you've got it in the center of midfield and you've got it while the, your opponent is still trying to build out of the back. So you've got their back line spread out and their midfield spread out trying to play possession. And now you're two or three passes um, away from a legitimate scoring chance. And it kind of takes a lot of the progressive burden off of guys like Andre Gomes and the fullbacks. And it takes a lot of the creative burden off of Gilby Sigurdsson and Bernard. And thank God off of Richarlison, who couldn't create shit if his life depended on it. Um, and if you lose that, and now you have to rely on more traditional ball progression from deep and more traditional chance creation uh, against a team with more numbers in defense. Uh, I'm not sure that we've seen that Andre Gomes uh, is, is capable of that level of ball progression. And I'm not sure that we've seen that Gilfie Sigurdsson and the, the core of wingers that we have right now is capable of that level of chance creation once the ball gets into the final third, if you assume that Everton can can get it there at all. Um, well, and someone who would have been nice to have to contribute the, to those things was uh, Adam Ola-Lukman, who's quite good at creating chances. As is um, Nikola Vlasic. Yes. Um, you know, another player who in, in spots could have potentially either filled in for Gilfie Sigurdsson or even sat sat behind in more of an eight role, um, you know, as, as he occasionally yeah. did with CSK Moscow. Well, you know, Ronald, Ronald Koeman and Sam Allardyce treated Vlasic like a winger, and I think it's very clear that he, that's not what he is at yeah. all. Yeah, and and the price of that is that he's now elsewhere. Uh, <laughs> so, I, I, you know, I think when we start to think about what this team needs – Going forward, I think that we can all kind of uh, agree, regardless of what else goes on with Idrissa uh, or, or really with anybody else, uh, you're going to want, because Zuma is out and Jags is out, uh, it, this team needs another center back. And, and I don't think that there's a whole lot of disagreement there. I think Yeri Mina, again, would looked promising for Colombia. Also might be America. suspended for gambling violations. So that would be... A pretty significant problem. Yeah. <laughs> so so either way, even even if you think that Mina is a is the second center back option or the third center back option, I think you agree. No matter which of those two things you think he ought to be, that you need somebody else to to be the other one. Because I I, I don't want to see Matthew Pennington or Mason Holgate as our third choice center back. And I, I don't think anyone wants to see Matthew Pennington no, I there. Mean, the reality um, is even without European competition, a premier league team needs four center backs yeah. who are capable of playing at any moment. And we have like two and a half. Yeah. Uh, at, you know, and I, I know um, Morgan Feeney is another guy who is, some folks are, are high on, but again, I want to, I don't want to rely on that one of uh Mason Holgate, Matthew Pennington, or Morgan Feeney is going to turn into a Premier League level center back uh, if, when, more likely when, uh, you know, Yeremina pulls a hammy uh, and is out for six weeks. You can't be relying on that. Yeah. And can I just say one more thing about the outgoings before we move on fully mm -hmm. to team needs? And that is that I feel so vindicated in my evaluation of John Joe Kinney over the last two years. <laughs> well, and that that does quite relate to the other need that yes, I think is, is is static in uh, in that it doesn't really depend on any of the, anything else that are, is going on is that Everton needs a, another right back. Um, I know Mason Holgate played right back at West Brom. Don't at me. Mason Holgate is not a right back. If He's actually Everton... a worse right back than he is center back, which is incredible. Yes, but he's very, very fast, and in the championship, that makes you a good right back. In the Premier League, 
that makes you very, very fast. That's it. Yeah. That's all it makes <laughs> you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I could. I think it's safe to say that we all agree that Mason Holgate is not the answer at either center back or right back, or really wherever they want to put him. Because <laughs> uh, he's had his chances too. He's had his chances to prove himself, and really has not done much um, on our scales. But yeah, I mean, just to briefly just go over, um, just you know, I, I think you guys hit on all the 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 big topics with the ingoing incomings and outgoings. Um, obviously gay is the biggest one that's up in the air. Um, one, whether or not it gets done and two, how we're going to replace him. And then, you know, I think Delph was, um, in the end, obviously if it's, if it's a gay replacement, like we mentioned, it's not a, uh, it's not an ideal signing, but from a perspective of having leadership in a young, um, you know, dressing room, which I think is kind of what brands is trying to build. I think, I think Delph adds that leadership and can really bring something to the table there, um, which I think is pretty cool um, from that perspective. But let's dive into team needs. You guys have really hit on a lot of the team needs already, but, you know, there's a few here. You know, you got right back, center back, uh, central defensive midi or or the gay role, um, striker. And, you know, I, I'd say I, from, basic, from, recent, um, from recent reports, I'd say winger is also probably up there in some sense of, of a need of Everton, maybe not the highest needs, um, but a need. So Chris, we'll go back to you first, maybe rank the the, the needs that Everton have. Yeah. So I would say, I guess, speak of long, maybe. sure. I, I would say that um, the, the objective most important need right now is a center back. Um, after that, uh, in the event that Gay leaves, I would go with central midfield, uh, um, then right back, and then probably striker slash winger last. Um, I'm a, more comfortable with Cenk Tosin than most people. Um, Dominic Calvert-Lewin has played out wide um, at times and not been that terrible. He's got a good defensive work rate out there. It's not the best idea because he is a better striker, but if you had to, you could. Um, but right now, the center back situation, as Adam was detailing, is pretty dire. Um, we need an heir apparent for Seamus Coleman sooner rather than later, I think, as his decline has kind of been a little bit more precipitous than we wanted it to be. And uh, we've beat a dead horse here at this point with the central midfield situation. But I, the, the problem is that with having made two purchases already and doled out um, what, presumably quite a bit of wages to Andre Gomes and Fabian Delph, you're not uh, far and Mashiri's a rich guy, but he's not made of money. And I don't think that they're going to be able to get all four of these things done in the next two weeks, which means that you're kind of going to have to prioritize one way or another, what you feel like you have to do, get done before the season starts. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, agreed. And I think that you probably do have to have to rate center back first um, but after that, you know, I think, I think, as I've said, it, it gets interesting because if you don't have, if you don't have Adresa, then you know, you're going to need a, maybe a winger who's a better ball progressor than, than Bernard or a central midfielder who's a better ball progressor than, than Fabian Delft, because you know you're not going to be able to play the press. And I think the striker uh, the striker issue becomes an interesting one as well. You know, we saw Dominic Calvert-Lewin do very well um, for himself toward the end of last season, again, playing in that high-pressing system. If you don't have the high-pressing system, I don't know how much he's worth to you at this point um, because it was his speed, it's his work rate, uh, it's his ability to body defenders off the ball that that was his biggest asset. And if that's not the way that the team is playing, uh, you know, and if he's got to be a guy who's a back-to-goal striker or a run-the-channel striker, we've seen that that's not really been his game to this point. Um, and I think if, if you're not playing that style, I think you're right, Chris, that, that Schenk is the, the better option, but I don't know if you're willing to roll, you know, into the premier league season with that as, as your best, best option, especially if your starting wingers are Bernard and Richarlison, which I think it's probably fair to guess 
guess that they will be. So I, I have, uh, I mean, I, I, I'm a broken record about it at this point, but the trickle down effect of, of Ghana leaving is enormous. And I think it touches what you need in center midfield and at striker and at wing, because you're going to need different, different kinds of players than, than Everton has right now. And we'll, you know, we'll, we'll talk in a little bit about some of the potential targets, um, but it, it impacts that in, in ways that aren't necessarily uh, immediately evident. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I, I think we can all agree that center back um, and that, that center midi role are probably the top two priorities, especially since, I mean, coming into this transfer window, you kind of expected, you know, Zuma was something that was kind of a toss-up in the air, 50-50, whether he would stay, um, especially with um, Chelsea's transfer ban. But with Ghana leaving, as we've mentioned multiple times before, and I won't beat it uh, to death any more than we already have, um, you know, it creates a lot more problems. Obviously, that striker role, Dominic Calvert-Lewin did do well in that striker role, but role, but as is the case for many of our strikers had trouble finishing when it came to that point. Um, you know, and you know, when you're playing the striker position, it's not exactly something you want. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see what they can get done over the next, uh, couple weeks. Um, it's going to be hard to get what we need. And I don't know if many Everton fans are going to be happy with the end result of what we come out with. Um, but, Hopefully they do uh, a good enough job to fill the roles as best as they can and that are, are absolute necessities. Um, obviously, we'd like a right back, but, I mean, at the current situation, um, we obviously have two things that are, are we're in desperate need of right now. Um, and moving on real quick, before we get to looking at, at how, you know, some of those players that could fill those roles, guys, real quick, a couple guys on the market that we could sell. McCarthy, Morales, um, Morales, uh, Balassi, Besic, um, and Pennington, and possibly Holgate, as reports have come out recently. Um, which one of those guys, Adam, you can go first on this one. Which which one of those guys you think is most likely to get sold over the next couple weeks? Um, you know, and and um, you know, just go on with that. Uh, I would have to think at this point that Mohamed Besic has proven on multiple occasions to be a perfectly good championship level central midfielder. And it is surprising to me that uh, a, a club in, in the second division has not come forward and said, sure, we'll pay $3 million or whatever monetary unit you want to use um, for that, for that guy. And Everton said, Okay, yeah, we'll take your money, get him off our wages, and and move him along. You know, he he is who he is. Um, you know, Roberto Martinez was wowed by the fact that he man marked Lionel Messi for a game and bought him on the spot, and here we are, you know, five years later, going, uh, oh, that's right, that's right, that guy's still on the roster, isn't he? Well, uh, I mean, um, he, uh, unlike James McCarthy, from what I could tell, Besic hasn't even been invited on the preseason tours which is pretty harsh if you think about it yeah um, but i i tend to agree i i do think there may be some actually some more interest in james mccarthy's services um his injuries are unfortunate and varied and there's just a laundry list of things going on there but james had a peak not super long ago where he was quite a good player and i think teams will be more interested in somebody who's proven themselves on tape at least for a little while somewhere, you know, the Newcastles and the Crystal Palaces of the world have, have reached out to Everton from what we can tell. And I think there was some word of like an 8 million um, pound bid or suggestion at least earlier this week. And so I, I think I would be happy for James if he got to move away and got to play again. I, but I also think that uh, Silva with the central midfield situation obviously being a little bit up in the air may not see parting with McCarthy as a luxury that he has at this point. Well, that's, that's true because James is already on the roster. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's, and that's exactly it. And you'd figure, you know, if, if Adresa were to go, 
James is probably the most like-for-like swap for Ghana that you have. And not that you just slap him into the, you know, starting 11 in Idris's place in Nico. This is fine. But if you're in a situation where, you know, you need a, a real, a, a ball winner, um, he's going to have, he's the, the best guy on the roster right now to, to be that guy. And I, I would, I would think that until the central midfield situation is totally settled that there might be some hesitance from Silva to pull the trigger on that. Mm-hmm. No, um, and, and of course, you know, that still, we've now talked about two central midfielders and, and still not really talked about Tom Davis, who I, I wrote about a, a couple of weeks ago after the Delph signing went through. And I, I don't know what happens to him now. Again, with Ghana likely outgoing, that kind of reopens a spot for him on the depth chart. Um, I don't think he gets sold or loaned at this point, but if another central midfielder or two come in, maybe a loan is something that that they think about. um, In in the event that Ghana somehow stays, I think we have have enough there to, to move Tom out the door for a year. It's just, you know, and that that's kind of down at the bottom of the list, at least for me personally. I'm not really that worried about Tom Davis's development because I don't think he's going to develop anymore. Um, I think the player that we've seen over the last three years has been the exact same player, and uh, that might just be who he is. Um, but I'm, I'm open to arguments to the contrary on that. I'd love to be proven wrong. I just at a certain certain point, even if he's if he's young – He's been the same young player for three straight years now, and it's hard to see a whole lot of change. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he's not gotten any better as much as people want to squint and say that he has. It's just not happening. Um, as, as for the others that could potentially be going out, um, there's no market whatsoever for anyone paying a dime in terms of a transfer fee for Yannick Velassi or Kevin Morales. But this is going to be one of those – it's going to be the Ashley Williams situation where they get loaned out until their contract expires – um, which I'm I'm actually hard pressed to say that either of these guys was a mistake in the transfer window. Kevin Morales was actually pretty good for a stretch, mm-hmm. and um, you know Yannick Velassi destroyed his knee, and I can't really blame anybody for that. He had a near telepathic understanding with Lukaku before in the like six weeks he was on the roster before that happened. So. It's just one of those things. It's bad luck and unfortunate, but I don't actually hold a lot of ill will towards either of those guys. If I'm being yeah, honest, agreed. Um, it, it is it is what it is there. Uh, and then the the other two guys that that we had brought up are are Holgate and and Pennington. And you know Pennington, I think um, at literally any any price that anyone in the second or third division will pay for him. Uh, you, go that's fine i mean he turns he turns turns 25 25, yeah yeah. Uh, in in october he turns 25 there's he is who he is at this point um and anything that you can get for him obviously if he was going to break into the side uh he would have by now i think honestly i think there's a an argument to be made that even morgan feeney is already ahead of him on the depth chart certainly mason holgate is um and so I, I think Pennington's done. I, and I, uh, I know that the report on, on, are not on Holgate, in age. yeah. And Hol- Holgate turns 23 in October. And, you know, again, that's not, obviously that's young in, in human terms, um, in, in footballing terms for a guy who's, who's, you know, played a, a, a lot of professional minutes uh, so far, it's it's not young, um, and no. it is. It will be interesting to me if a team in the championship approaches Everton and says we'd pay three million for that guy if it's something that Everton would listen to. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I certainly would. Um, I just I, you can get better young players at Holgate uh, who who have a higher ceiling. They're kind of a dime a dozen. Um, you know, you look at somebody like Yuri Mina, who hasn't played a lot for Everton, but he Holgate's turning twenty three, Mina's only twenty four, and it's like Yuri has played at a World Cup and gone to the knockout stage as a starter. He's been signed by Barcelona and played for them. He's now in the Premier League, and 
you kind of see the stark differences in the development trails. And it's like, well, Mason's just lagging behind here a little bit. And I don't know. We we've, we should rename this the Mason Holgate um, podcast, set, but I do think it's just frustrating to us in particular that he gets so much love when it's just not happening. Nope. Yeah. Yeah, no, I it it's it really is not happening, and I, I you know it's it's frustrating, like you said, because you know from what we see on the field, he doesn't warrant that. Um, but has been getting his chances. Um, I, I Chris, I think you hit it on the head with Morales and Balassi. I don't think those are guys that will be sold. Um, and you know, obviously, in their cases, it's not their own fault, but. Um, or in some of their cases, not their own fault, but it's just how the situation is. Um, but you know, moving on now from yeah, and that's really analyzing who we could bring in within these next two weeks. There's been some pretty big rumors surrounding a, a few players, and we'll just go through them right now. Obviously, Wilfred Zaha is the most recent one to come about. Um, one that I think a lot of us thought might have been just a, a, a strictly a rumor, but it's picked up a little bit of steam with some of the reports that have been coming out recently. Um, on top of that, Malcolm, who we were linked with also last year, um, Moise Keane from Juventus, Santiago Arias, uh, the right back from Atletico Madrid. And then we were linked with a couple central defenders, don't know where they are now. Kind of seems, especially after what happened with Zuma, that you it's weird that we have not heard any more names come out since then. Um, so, guys, let's just let's just break down, um, you know, what these guys could do for Everton and why or why not they would be a good signing. So let's start with the most recent one, one that seems to be pretty controversial, I think, um, in Wilfred Zaha. Chris? Uh, Adam, do you want to do the character assassin assassination here, or you want to let me? Uh, I'll take it. Okay, yeah. Go. <laughs> well, the issue with Zaha uh, is partially not not his fault. Uh, when he he's played under Roy Hodgson, and it's it's difficult to assess an attacking player uh, subjected to that torture, as it were. Um, that said. Uh, he is a very flashy player. He's a player who's fun to watch, and, and but a player who I don't really think brings anything to Everton that it does not already have. He is a goal-scoring first winger, um, 10 goals in the Premier League last year, nine the year before that, seven in 2016-17, which is a pretty good output for a guy who's playing on the wing, although uh, a fair bit of that did come with him at, at striker. Uh, he's a guy who... I don't think as a striker, given the rest of the talent at Everton, and unless Everton's going to start playing uh, bunker counter football, uh, is a guy that makes a whole lot of sense at striker. And they already, Everton kind of already has uh, a goal scoring winger. Uh, he's a guy named Richarlison. You may have heard of him, um, who has proven already to be quite good and probably a better than Zaha at this point. So I, I just don't see what he would bring that we don't already have from Richarlison and then the, you know, off the bench, the uh, wilting corpse of Theo Walcott. And, and his price tag along with that is also, uh, you know, I think in Everton's case, mm -hmm. uh, just not, not something that we want to be putting out for, for a guy who, you know, we don't rate in general as someone who could bring anything to the team. You know, and, and he's a good player. Don't get me wrong. He's a, he's a very, very talented player. It's yeah. just that when you already have a Richarlison, I don't know what you need a Wilfred Zaha for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and again, you know, Roy Hodgson, not Zaha's fault. Uh, Crystal Palace's exorbitant asking price, also not Zaha's fault. But if you just take the player kind of outside of all of those um, circumstances, just kind of a weird fit. Um, you know, it, it feels I'm stealing this line from somebody else in, in our um, website Slack channel today, but it does feel a little bit like the, the Gilfie Sigurdsson signing where it's like, hey, man, let's just who's the best player outside of the top six or who do people think is the best player outside of the top six? Let's just go buy him. 
and that's not really a great way to do business. And it's not been the way that business has been done since Marcel France, you know, no, no. Took, yeah, took the reins. Yeah, uh, and I think that's a reason why a lot of us thought that that was just such a, a weird rumor to begin with, because mm-hmm. it, it it isn't really inside the Marcel Brands realm of, um, you know, finding players and bringing them in. You know, yeah, it's not. He's not a player on the bench at a really, really, really big club, and he's not, um, you know, between what twenty two and twenty five years old. Yeah, and, and and speaking of players on the bench at a bigger club but i think we can move on now to mm-hmm. malcolm who we were linked with last year um malcolm and then we'll get to another player on the bench of a really big club but um we were linked to malcolm last year he moved to barcelona um and now we're linked with him again what do you guys think about this one i'm a lot more interested in malcolm than wilfred zaha um right. you know I don't think he's going to be as expensive. He's younger, and he's also getting back to something that Adam kind of hinted at earlier. He's a much better ball, ball progressor. Um, you know, that is something that Everton need, especially if you think that um, that's not really Bernard's forte. I prefer Bernard as kind of a super sub off the bench, and I think that Malcolm Richarlison is a really nice comp- complementary set of wingers. I I do wonder if somebody a little bit bigger, like like an Arsenal or like a Chelsea, if their transfer ban gets lifted, would be in for him. But Barcelona, I clearly have no use for him. Uh, kind of a strange set of circumstances to, that led them to buy him in the first place. I think he had gotten off the plane um, and was headed to Roma in Italy, and they called him up or something like that. But um, a really interesting statistical profile for Malcolm and has produced when he's been allowed to play both in Bordeaux and Barcelona. Um, just, a, you know, kind of a lot like Luke, Lucas Digne stuck behind Jordi Alba. It's hard to get on the field when you're stuck behind Lionel Messi. Yeah, and, and I think that the uh, we don't know a whole lot more about Malcolm at this time this year, really, than we did at, at this time last year. Um, you know, he, he got a, a little bit of a chance at Barcelona and and proved to be, you know, more or less the the same player that that he was in France, but not on a big enough body of work that you could say definitively, yes, you know, his game will make the jump from Ligue 1 to, um, to England or Spain or Germany or whatever you're, you know, the, the leagues above it. I, I agree with you, Chris, that I think um, he, he makes a little more sense in terms of ball progression, in terms of creativity um, than Zaha does. And that's, as we've said, if Ghana is gone, something that's going to really come into focus um, from the wide players, especially when you factor in that Richarlison is a creative black hole. Um, if the price is right, it's certainly a move that I can see uh, as as making sense. I I would feel a lot better about it if he had played like 500 more minutes at um, at Barcelona last year than he did just at the and with the rate of output that he had just to really say like oh yeah no this is a guy who can hang at this level um but you don't always get what you want um and i I think if if it's if the offer is there it's you're going to be hard pressed to find somebody who could fit the role that everton is probably going to need at left wing better than malcolm at least on paper yeah, I mean, with Malcolm, we, we mentioned that the price tag, obviously, um, lower than Zaha, which also helps, um, help, you know, looking for other players. Malcolm also on the wing there. We're going to need that money to sign players at, at, at central back and, and center midfield as well. Um, it, it, definitely an exciting player, someone that I, I think we all were, would, were excited for um the possibility of last year um obviously him not playing this much like we've mentioned um makes thing uh last year makes things a, a little bit um iffy as to how things will turn out this year for him but um you know oh, uh, an interesting one at that and then another player who's on the bench at a big team uh Moise Keane he has been linked with Everton for a while now basically since really i think June 
Um, what do you guys think of him? Obviously a striker. Um, looks like he's he's pretty good at scoring goals. Young young kid. Uh, what do you guys got on him? Well, I think my opinion on how much sense uh, the addition of him might make has changed pretty drastically as the uh, as the Adrissa Gay news has come through. Um, didn't necessarily uh, strike me as a guy who would fit in the high pressing system because really the thing that any striker in that high-pressing system is going to need to do is is going to be run a lot. And whether it was Keane or Lukaku or Harry Kane or anybody, um, you know, if they, if they weren't going to be the type that was going to run, you know, a million miles a game, uh, then, then that would be something that might even come higher on the priority list than putting the ball in the back of the net uh, with that system potentially on its way out. Uh, a guy like Keane, who just happens to be pretty good at getting himself into the right position at the right time and putting the ball in the back of the net, is uh, you're not going to do a whole lot better at his age uh, in terms of output uh, at, at a big level. It's a very exciting prospect. And I do think that you still, you know, at, at 19, have to say prospect even if he came to Everton you know I don't know if I would expect him immediately to be an every week player I just don't know if if he's ready for that um but someone who you could build an attack around going forward uh as as he matures you would hope um didn't he have like something like six goals in 500 minutes or five goals in 600 minutes or something pretty ridiculous for a six goals year? in 536 minutes in uh in syria uh, play correct yeah yeah that's uh that's pretty good. pretty good it's pretty good, yeah. pretty good. Um, <laughs> we'll take that uh i am interested in keen for um just because i would like to have two keens on one team i would find that absolutely fascinating it's uh, <laughs> a good reason Thank you. I, I try to be very analytical. Uh, the other thing, though, is I'm actually not really interested in the rumored um, – one of the rumors was like a loan with no option to buy it, and I, I'm just not interested in being a bigger club's developmental farm team. It's not, not something I'm down with, especially as we're at this point actively trying to get into Europe. I, I don't see how that's particularly productive. And, you know, we're feeling the effects of it right now with Zuma. You know, you bring in a player like Zuma, he comes in, he does well, and then he goes back to his old team, and, and you got to go search for another one of those players. If you want to be, a you know, one of those clubs that makes their way into Europe, and hopefully for our sake, you know, eventually if things keep going, moving in the right direction, maybe find ourselves in the top four at some point in the future. You can't be loaning players in all the time and and uh, and not being able to keep them for consecutive seasons and keep that thing going. Um, finally, the the last big one that we want to talk about here before we um, really just dive into just some center uh, center backs, uh, Santiago Arias. Um, now, I personally um, know about as much as we've heard on him. Um, and that's about it. Uh, so maybe you guys can dive into him a little bit and, and speak on what he can bring uh, at the right back position. Well, I, I think that the most interesting thing about him is that Marcel Brandt has uh, purchased him once before, right? Um, yeah, I believe Arias, so. Arias was uh, a member of PSV Eindhoven in the Netherlands where Brands was the executive director there. And so, you know, he's obviously going to be quite familiar with his capability um, he is a little bit older than um, what I had had in mind. He's 27. So what a shame is Coleman now, 31, I think, 30, late 30. Uh, I will confirm that for you. But, um, you know, he. I would wager that after, you know, spending a year at Atletico Madrid and playing in the Champions League and playing um, for Colombia at the World Cup, this is somebody who's going to not really need a lot of adjustment time to play in the Premier League. He's going to be able to capably back up, and depending on how things go, if they go well, I could see a situation where he supplants Coleman as the starter. And you know, there's uh, there's something to be said for chemistry with Yuri Mina there as well. I think. Yeah, I was just about to say, you know, uh, also Seamus Coleman, thirty, 
um, 30 years old. But I was about to say the same thing with that chemistry there. If Mina's going to be a consistent every week player, uh, having that chemistry already coming into a new team certainly helps uh, the development of the team and the team going forward. Adam, anything to add there? Yeah, uh, the the one thing that I would add is that Coleman turns 31 in October. So for this season, he is effectively 31. Um, yeah, a lot of October birthdays on this team. A lot of yeah, I have noticed that tonight. Um, the only thing that that I would add is that I I am just kind of looking over his statistical profile. Uh, I do get a little concerned um, that the the creativity, at least with um, with Madrid, with Atletico Madrid last year was was not um, not really there. Uh, only had one well, assist. In, well, you in, do have to remember what who coaches Atletico Madrid. No, 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 no. And I I I, I recognize that. Um, but we look if you look back at it's tough to it's tough to judge because his creative numbers at Eindhoven are good, not great. Um, but it's in the Netherlands and then he comes to Spain and, you know, his creative numbers are cut in half. His, his uh, expected assist per 90 was uh, 0.07. He put up one assist and averaged about half a key pass per game. I think it's just an interesting, uh, it's an interesting match for a team that has traditionally relied on its fullbacks a lot um, in the attack. Now, uh, again, uh, with some of the guys that have come in and out, um, there's definitely room for something of a transition in play style um, that could open up room for a guy who potentially does not uh, have to be as good creatively going going forward from that fullback position, especially if Everton continues to be a left-sided, build-up, heavy team with Richarlison on the right cutting in, then you don't necessarily need that right fullback to be uh, as creatively inclined if you know you're going to be building down the left. Uh, if the price is right, I'm not opposed to it. It's That is just the one thing that I think to me jumped out um, initially as something that, that made me go, uh, I don't necessarily know how, how great a fit it would be. But Obviously, the the pedigree is there to at least be a a backup or a split time guy at, at right back, and Everton needs one. Yeah, absolutely, it, definitely something to look at there, and, and and those numbers there, obviously, like you mentioned, Adam, don't exactly fit into the playing style now, but who knows what that playing style will be as we move forward here at the end of the transfer window and into the, and into the season. Real quick, let's just bounce around with the central defenders. We've obviously been linked with uh, Diego Lorente and Adama Suomaro, I believe it is. I don't know. Um, uh, we ha- we haven't been linked with them in a while, though. Um, kind of surprising that we haven't seen any more links to central defenders with Zuma. Um, now pretty much officially not coming back to Everton. Um, what do you guys think about the center back situation as we have two weeks left in the window? I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with a curveball and right. suggest that Everton should bring back Shane Duffy. Huh. Interesting. Huh. Well, it's, it's not a bad right. idea. It as was a curveball, as it sounds, is it? It's not. It's not. and I, what I would say, in addition to to that, is that. As as memory serves, um, you know we kind of had the same conversation about center the center back position um, at this time last year, and then kind of Kurt Zuma just appeared uh, <laughs> out of nowhere like three well, days before that's the kind deadline. Of how Marcel Brands works too, right? Like Fabian Dell mm-hmm. just poof. Yeah, <laughs> it just happened <laughs> overnight. Just, um, I I think it is an obvious enough need. And I think that Silva's opinions of Holgate and Pennington are clear, have been made clear enough based on what we saw last season that I don't think anybody at Everton in a decision-making role is looking at things right now going, nah, we don't need a center back. Um, What exactly does that outcome look like to have one added? Well, I, I don't, I don't know, and and as as you guys have pointed out, there aren't a ton of 
rumors out there that, that you feel are <laughs> particularly noteworthy relating them. Um, I, I think you just kind of have to trust that Marcel is going to pop somebody up uh, out of nowhere on us again, even if it is at, at the last second, because if not, well, it's, it's going to be a problem. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with your, your points there. And I'm actually going to, I'm going to ride this, this Shane Duffy bit until August the 8th. Um, <laughs> he's, he's been very good for Brighton, the rest of that team, not with mm-hmm. he, he's played for Everton before. Every time that we play each other, I come away thinking, Wow, Brighton center backs are bizarrely good for a team in 18th place. Mm-hmm. It's, oh he, yeah, no, I, I would take him back in a heartbeat. He's only, to be he's the only third 27. Back. Yeah, yeah I would absolutely do that, hundred percent. Yeah, especially in the situation that we're in now, I think that's a, you know, definitely a solid. It would be a solid signing, something that I think and, most Titan fans would be pretty happy with. I'm sure that uh, Seamus Coleman can put in a good word and James McCarthy as well, uh, and, national team teammates. Yeah. Another okay. guy to get ruined by Martin O'Neill. Great. <laughs> I think wait, didn't Martin O'Neill get get sacked? I think uh, he, I'm sure he has to have by now, right? I believe so. Oh man. Okay, so we're gonna do a live Wikipedia reading here. Um, oh, yes. Martin O'Neill was uh, Northern left. Irish professional. Yeah, Martin <laughs> Martin O'Neill left the Irish national team, then got hired at uh, Nottingham Forest in the championship and got sacked there in five months. That's oh, that's right. Oh, I yeah. forgot about that. Yeah. Because he's a terrible manager with that no could, redeeming qualities. Couldn't happen, to right. a, couldn't happen to a nicer fella. <laughs> wow. What a, what a good way to close. Just laughing at the misfortune of Martin O'Neill. I'm sure James McCarthy is Losing sleep at night, worried about my career. <laughs> do you think? Do you think when O'Neill got sacked from Nottingham Forest that R- Ronald Koeman uh, cracked open a bottle of champagne? <laughs> I'm, he, I'm sure he had to have, right? Ronald yeah. strikes you as the uh, as the petty type. Uh, well, I be- that, I that was it. that that was my favorite moment of Koeman's uh, Everton tenure was his war of words via the media with Martin O'Neill. That was great. Yeah. Okay, I'm done. I, I... <laughs> All right, guys. Well, real quick, let's just uh, go back through the four names that we definitely have down here. Quick rating before we end this of possibility of happening. One to ten. Um, just real quick. Adam, we'll start with you on the first one. Well, time out. Is this a possibility? Is this how much we would like to move one to ten? No, or how much of a possibility we think this move actually Okay, happens. Go for Okay. Um, Adam, Wilfred Zaha. Uh, two. Chris? Uh, four. All right. Malcolm? Chris? Uh, okay. Chris, Chris, you go. All right. My bad. I'm, I'm going to say five. I, I don't think that um, – I, I think Malcolm ends up at Arsenal. I'm going to go uh, three. All right. Moise Keane, Adam? Ah. <sighs> Gosh, he's probably too good to end up at Everton again. Uh, I'll go with three. Um, I'm going to go a little bit higher than three. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say five again because um, Moise Keane has dealt with some really unpleasant circumstances in Italy with regards to racial abuse, and I would not be surprised at all if he just doesn't want to play there anymore. Oh, I think he'll move this summer, just for the record. I just don't necessarily think it'll be to Everton, but I agree with you for that and and footballing reasons too. But that's definitely a good point. Hey, I think he hey, leaves man. Italy. Why why play your twenty uh, year old budding superstar when you could play the combined corpses of Cristiano Ronaldo and Gonzalo Higuain and Mario Mandzukic and Mario Mandzukic? Yeah. yeah. While you also sit Paulo Dybala on the bench. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh man. Okay, moving on. <laughs> um, and then final one here, Santiago Arias. Uh, what do you guys got? Chris, we'll go to you first. I'm I'm going to go with seven on this one. Out of the four players that we profiled, I, I think he's by far the most likely. Uh, yeah, I'll give him a five. I guess I'm just naturally less optimistic about things than Chris, which is an achievement if you know Chris personally, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but yeah, I, I would agree that definitely the most likely um, – out of the four that, that we've highlighted, although I think probably the least needed, and that's not true, Zaha's the least needed, um, but I think Malcolm or 
Keen would do us more good, but Arias is probably the uh, the guy. Yeah, I could definitely agree with you guys on, on that, that he he's probably like the most likely one that we're going to see out of those four. All right, guys, one down. Uh, hopefully the next time we talk to uh, everybody out there, we'll have some better news, hopefully with the transfer window closing in a couple weeks. Uh, we'll try and get um, a pod out after the transfer window closes, right before the season starts. Um, recap you on everything that happened and preview that season. Hopefully we'll have some good news on players we've brought in, brought in and it's not as doom and gloom as it is now with uh, Gay possibly on the way out with no replacement set up, but we'll see how things play out. Uh, Adam, Chris, thanks as always. Everybody out there, keep listening, keep following. If you're listening to this right now, you liked what you heard, subscribe, five stars on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you're listening to. Uh, we'll talk to you guys uh, in a couple weeks. Peace. Later.